720 WGN. Thanks for joining us. I'm Lisa Dent. Uh, Howard Tallman checks in every Tuesday. It's brought to you by CareerVision.org. Howard, you heard me talking about that that survey about what financially comfortable means to individuals and really based on the city you live in. It was conducted by Charles Schwab. It says in Chicago, $817 net worth. Makes no, $817,000, um, $817, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. $817,000, they say most people would identify as being financially comfortable if that was their net worth. I find that a little low, don't you? Yeah, I well, first of all, I hope you don't think I listen to you when I'm on hold. I mean, I, you know. <laughs> you're busy working. I know you're right. multitasking all the right. time. Right, for sure, but... <laughs> In this case, I did because I thought it was interesting. But, I, but you know, I'll tell you a, a very uh, related observation, which is um, I just read a lengthy analysis of national poll uh, stuff related to the upcoming 2024 election. And the, the moral of the story was something that the last person you were speaking to alluded to as well. The moral of the story was a national poll doesn't mean anything. There's about four or five states. And because of our crazy electoral college, those states are going to determine everything. And so what you want to know is what are the poll results from that state or from those states? It seems to me that what she said was exactly right. What does this number mean if you have a family of five as opposed to if you're a single person? You know, and I don't know how they adjust any of these things. I don't know what sort of concessions they make. So it's pretty meaningless. But Having said that, I, I have to also tell you that I think it seemed like it was off by about 50 percent. Yeah, right, right. And uh, it, if it's good for anything, it's it's a good thing to discuss with the people that you are financially entwined with. You know, yeah. like, hey, yeah. at what point will we reach financial comfort? You know, what does that mean to us? And that's what I found uh, intriguing about this article. Howard is with us. Because we do a little thing called Minding Chicago's Business, and we also talk about the article he publishes on Inc.com every week. Millions of people read it, and you're talking about Walgreens this week and a big faux pas on their behalf that it looks like some marketing person created, or maybe it was a bunch of suits at a table. Why don't you tell everybody about that? Well, look, I I think that what Walgreens did is very interesting. They they built an experimental store. They remodeled the store. And you know how we you and I have talked about this, how crazy it is to go into a lot of retail environments and everything you're interested in is behind some kind of plexiglass box or something to begin with. So Walgreens took it a step further. They had in the new revised store, they had two aisles that were open. And everything else you wanted in the whole store, you would go up to a kiosk and you would order. uh, And then somebody from behind the counter would bring out whatever it was you ordered. Or you could order online and you could pick stuff up. And what offended me about that was not that they were experimenting or not that they were trying to be innovative or that they were trying to keep themselves from going broke from the thefts. But what struck me was... They came out and flat out said this has nothing to do with the complete epidemic that's going on in retail in terms of theft. We're, you know, in the city of Chicago, 
where this idiot, uh, you know, Kim Fox told people, if you steal under a thousand dollars, we're not even interested. And I've always said that was good that it taught the kids math, but I thought it was bad for retail. <laughs> and, you know, that was the problem. I couldn't believe that Wall Street, that Walgreens didn't have the courage of their convictions to say, we've got to do something about this. We've got Nordstrom's, we've got Walmart, these other places closing stores in downtown areas, which is doubly horrible because it removes, you know, the ability of people in the community who are, you know, good people to get their drugs, to get food, all of these things. Uh, But for them to say we're doing it and it has nothing to do with anti-theft, it's all about, you know, making it easier to shop online or something. It was just such a, you know, such a hypocritical thing to say. And I, I sort of wish that, you know, we lived in a world where people would just say what they mean and what they're trying to accomplish. And, uh, you know, we're headed in the other direction. We're headed in the direction where we have the mayor yesterday saying, you know, he feels like all this crazy uh, shooting and everything else is, you know, acting out some uh, trauma from disinvestment as opposed to if you look at some of these videos with these people twerking in front of the police in the middle of the night. I, you know, it's just like the world has gone crazy. And, you know, we have 40 or 50 shootings, you know, every weekend now, and, you know, five or 10 people get killed. And by the way, it's all in these neighborhoods. I mean, it's all black on, it's not hundred percent black on black, but that's the real sad thing is the civilians, the people, the decent people who live in these communities they're under tremendous, you know, pressure from the gangs and from this behavior. And, you yeah. know, I, I, I fear for the city. I really do. Absolutely. Really do. Because uh, my, my nephew and I, we had a great night Saturday night in the city. We were in three or four different areas. Uh, lots of people out. The city was alive. Uh, he's from San Francisco. He's like, we don't have anything like this in San Francisco. And then when I read the numbers today that 75 people were shot and we only encountered one area where someone yeah. was shot. And I thought, oh, my gosh, these are, again, gang-related, targeted shootings in many cases. And why we don't keep addressing what is happening with the gang warfare in this city is beyond me. That never seems well, to be the top yeah. headline. No, and the scariest thing was this this uh, recent rash of shootings right outside the zoo. I mean, can you imagine yeah. how parents are going to say to themselves, you know what? I was going to take my kids to the zoo, and now I'm not going to go to Lincoln Park Zoo because they can't even control the shooting going on there. Now, albeit, you know, it's another one of these things, it's five in the morning and, you know, groups are doing crazy things. But, you know, we have friends all over the city saying in their neighborhoods, they take over these intersections and there's uh, 200 kids and they're doing these crazy things with the car, you know, the uh, cars doing donuts and they have giant speakers and the noise is uh, unbelievable and you would you would think that the police would get there in five minutes and would get rid of these people or would arrest them but they don't arrest them and and the latest videos are the police are sort of standing back and it's because we have a mayor who doesn't have their back we have a mayor who, who says everything but we have to crack down on this stuff I don't know if you can blame this on Brandon Johnson Howard when he's only been in office what a month and a half or more because one of my Uber drivers over the weekend said, too, he said, here's my problem. We do have a police presence, but they do not get out of their car to put a stop to it. Well, I think it's because it's cumulative. I mean, they're, they're, you know, make no mistake. 
He's only been there a, a month and a half. His messaging sucks, but it's not certainly it's not 100 percent his fault, although I think everybody thinks that if he doesn't clean up his act, that it's going to get worse. I had an Uber driver who said he hoped and wished that Mayor Daly was still here. So well, I, I think I think that we just uh, are in a situation where, um, you know, people are losing the confidence that uh, the city is safe. And I think that's the singly most damaging thing you could imagine in terms of, uh, you know, the success of the city. I mean, we still have Michigan Avenue that looks abandoned. We still have other companies, AT&T and Verizon, I guess, uh, or T-Mobile, just both closed uh, locations on Michigan Avenue. This is horrible. This is just not the direction that we need to be headed. And I think the the thing that's really scary to me is that they cannot secure, excuse me, they can't secure a single area. It's like if we just knew that the area around Wrigley Field was secure or was safe, um, you know, at least that would start to restore some confidence in what's going on. Right. And it's not just Chicago. It is happening in cities across the nation. It seems to be an issue that's facing our country, not just our city. All right, Howard, go get a drink of water. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Uh, Howard Tolman. The article's on Inc.com. He's a general managing partner with G2T3V and a serial entrepreneur here in Chicago. News is coming up next with Lauren Lapka from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. WGN.